to the Spirit Box podcast, exploring folklore, esoterica, and the mysteries of the spirit world. I'm your host, Dara, and I invite you to join me in this exploration, from the secrets of the jinn to the whisperings of demons and everything in between. Now, as you know, the point of this podcast is to look at all sides of the puzzle of non-physical, non-human intelligences. This week, we'll be looking at things from a Catholic perspective. To that end, our next guest, Father Dwight Longenecker, talks to the Catholic concept of spiritual warfare detailed in his book, Immortal Combat, Confronting the Heart of Darkness. Brought up as an evangelical in the USA, Father Dwight Longenecker earned a degree in speech and English before studying theology at Oxford University. He served as a minister in the Church of England, and in 1995, he was received into the Catholic Church with his wife and family. He's the author of over 20 books and booklets on the Catholic faith and culture. Father Longenecker is also an award-winning blogger, podcaster, and journalist. So, in this episode, um, Father Longenecker maps out how Catholicism has changed to a more love and light position, and in doing so, lost its awareness of actual evil forces. Now, a lot of us in the kind of magical and occult community will recognize that scenario from the kind of new agey love and light stuff and people not doing shadow work. Um, so we discussed the danger of pretending evil doesn't exist and and also his personal experiences with exorcisms, personal experiences with, with supernatural and paranormal um, events. There's some sections that I've bleeped out to remove the names and location of those involved in, in the exorcism story. Um, but apart from that, that's it. It's a short one this week, but I, I still think it's it's really interesting and it's something that adds to the conversation, adds to the body of knowledge that we're growing on this podcast. So um, if you like the show and want more more content, uh, more spirit box in your life, um, join the Patreon and the podcast Discord. It's the price of a cup of coffee and you get all the shows early and a host of other glorious perks. Um, before we start the show, I want to give you, dear listeners, an open invitation to send me your experiences. I'll leave the links below and you can either email me or, or leave me a phone message. I want to hear your stories about gin, your stories about spirits, your stories about the fae, the good people, the experiences you've had, your brushes with, with, with evil um, and the mysterious. Tell me all about them. I want, I want to hear them. Now, on with the show. You're very welcome. Um, thank you for coming on the Spirit Box podcast. Um, so you've recently published a, a, a book, Immortal Combat. Um, could I ask you as an introduction to yourself and to the listeners um, what the book is about your background? Yeah, my background was I was brought up in the United States in a, a very evangelical Protestant home. I then uh, I had the... Um, good fortune to go to England to study theology and became an Anglican priest. I served in the Church of England for about 15 years, uh, and then I and my family um, were received into the, into the full communion of the Catholic Church. Um, and then um, 10 years later, 
I re returned to my native U.S. Uh, with my English wife uh, and kids to be ordained as a Catholic priest. So I'm one of the very few married Catholic priests. Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> this is possible through um, a special provision from the, from the Pope allowing former uh, Protestants, a few, some former Protestant pastors who were already married, um, if we become Catholics, to be, or, to, or to be ordained as Catholic priests. So, yeah, unusual story. Very good. And your, your recent book? Yeah, it's called Immortal Combat. And um, I got started with this because I was uh, reading a lot of uh, the French thinker René Girard, who does a lot of work on um, mythology and the um, literary criticism. Then he moved into recognizing what he called the scapegoat mechanism in society. Uh, and so this prompted me to look again at um, uh, what what we as Christians consider to be central to the to our faith, which is the the cross, the crucifixion of Jesus. And I, as a, as a as a pastor, as a minister, I'm aware that we use a lot of religious language, which is probably uh, doesn't connect with a lot of people in the modern world. So, it, like here in the American South, you'll hear the um, Protestants, evangelicals say things like, have you been saved? Jesus died to save you from your sins. Uh, and I, I'm sympathetic to a modern person who would say, what does that mean? Well, I mean, what are you talking about the execution of a criminal 2,000 years ago in a, in a, in a backwater of the Roman province um, takes away the naughty things I've done? What, what, I mean, help me with that. What, what is that about? Um, if they go to a Catholic church, they're, and listen closely, they're going to hear the priests say words like, uh, Father, we offer you this sacrifice, this, this Im immaculate victim, this pure victim, this holy victim. And be they say, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And the, the skeptic is quite right, I, I think, to say, well, hang on here. Now we're talking about animal sacrifice. And if I'm not mistaken, you're talking about a human sacrifice. Uh, come on. Uh, this is the modern world where we, you know, we're not Aztecs. We don't, um, we're not ancient Romans who, who, you know, sacrifice a bull and cut open his intestines to, to try to prognosticate the future. You know, we have iPhones and Netflix. We, we, don't, we don't do that anymore. Um, what are you talking about? And this, this um, clash, this um, gap, if you like, between a Stone Age religion and a Space Age world uh, exercises me, you know, I, I'm actually a priest in that Stone Age religion, if you like. <laughs> and uh, how, how do we communicate this to the modern world? And, and one of the things which really annoys me about modern religion is that what they have done over the last hundred years or so in most aspect, most areas of Christianity, is they've said, you're right, this idea of sacrifice, you know, it, it's kind of old, it's out of date, you know, we're embarrassed by it, you know, this whole thing about blood and, and guts and, and, you know, killing lambs and bulls and offering them on the burnt offering to the almighty sky God and all that. We don't do that anymore. And, and we're embarrassed by it too. And so the theologians and the, um, prelates of the church and 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 a lot, most mainstream protestant churches have quietly sort of downplayed all of that and put it into sort of an ecclesiastical museum and mm. said you know yeah we, we, we don't do that sacrifice thing anymore uh the catholics still have that language but that's just a kind of carryover from long ago they don't really believe it either um 
what we're going to focus on is the attractive stuff about Jesus and the Christian faith. Um, you know, he, he blesses the little children and he heals people. And he's kind of like a St. Francis figure. He, he doesn't quite preach to the birds, but he spends a lot of time outside and he, he's, he, he's fishermen who are his friends and, and he's a good teacher. He's a wise man. Um, and he died a tragic death. So th th we're going to try to do that too. We're going to try to emphasize to everybody how you should be kind and nice and, and better people and make the world a better place. Um, well, that's what modern Christianity has become. Someone has called it moralistic therapeutic deism. Hmm. Uh, and I, I, that just makes me puke. I mean, I mean, that kind of religion <laughs> is, is, is just so mealy mouth. It's not Christianity. It's, it's, it's the Girl Scouts, you know, okay. selling cookies. And um, so, but still, it's a valid question. What is this sacrificial language? What is this talk about the blood of the lamb and so forth and so on that takes away your sins? So it's the thought of René Girard, the, the French thinker, and, and I also dug into Max Scheller, the German philosopher, to look at the root causes of what is the sin of the world? What, what is this um, evil in the world that, that was so bad that somebody had to die for it. And Girard's scapegoat, the discussion of, of um, resentment and anxiety within society, which focuses on the scapegoat and the, and the, and the sacrificial, the ritualistic murder, um, is really interesting. And it helped, I used it to try to explain to my audience why sacrifice is important, why the cross of Jesus Christ is still relevant uh, and why it's actually more relevant than ever before. And, and I'm sorry, I'm talking too much, but you know, the, the book has come out here in America when we have this, these riots in the streets. This is all, all of, of what I'm talking about. Why does this happen? Why do we see this violence and this resentment and this rage? Um, so that's what I'm digging at. I, I hope yeah. I've, I've got, communicated it to you yeah. pretty well. Yeah. Yes, thank you. You have. And I, I think one of the elements you, you kind of picked on there around uh, how the tenets uh, or so you know the the tenets of the catholic faith and christianity broadly has become very diluted you know um in terms of the belief of the different factions that make or factors that make up the spiritual world so what i mean you know one of the things that uh i would have been aware of is the the idea of the devil is or evil is is, is more of a, a metaphor than a, than, a, than a strict concept than the idea of an ad adversary um that one that that that's quite struck me and i think it's it's laddering into what you, what you're describing and that's one of the elements that i want to kind of ask you about in terms of immortal combat in terms of spiritual warfare the idea that um that modern christianity doesn't have um an adversary and i mean what's your thoughts on that well, yeah, because you see, what's gone along with this um, watering down of the faith to become like, you know, just let's make the world a better place, mm has -hmm. also been, um, let's play down the element of evil. Um, mm -hmm. And so if you go into a modern church today, people aren't going to talk to you about sin. They'll talk to you about things like, well, you know, we've all made mistakes. And I'm sure that this week that you've done some things that you really are maybe wish you hadn't done. And we're all going to try a bit harder and ask Jesus to love us more. Well, okay. But look, Jesus did not die on the cross because I broke the speed limit or, or because I lost my temper a couple of times. There's a deeper evil in society and within human nature. Um, and uh, the reason it's so powerful is because we're blind to it. We're actually, we can't see it. And I try to hammer this home in my book and say, this is 
the sin of the world. This is something, a, net, a vast network of deception, uh, self-deception, uh, deceit, manipulation. Um, Jesus calls Satan the father of lies. Uh, and it's great. It's an apt, he has many terms. Um, the old Nick has many ter- many names, but the father of lies is, is the, really a good one because mm. he, he is a liar uh, and he um, has w- w- spun this web of, of deception and, and manipulation and, and deceit through our whole world, uh, and through the churches too, and through the politicians and through all the nice people. Um, it's all there. And this is what I bring out in my book. Now, you spoke about Satan being a metaphor. Um, I, I know I've witnessed an exorcism, and um, mm-hmm. I, I can tell you that he, uh, Satan is not a metaphor. Um, well, I mean, I think we're, we're in the same camp on that. Uh, um, what I would like to ask you about is, is that particular experience. Could you, could you talk to us about that? Yeah, I was living in, um, in, uh, in England at the time, and um, in was um, a guy called who claimed to be the successor of the famous occultist uh, Alastair Crowley, who was based in Hastings, uh, right there on the south coast of England. And this guy lived in a sort of hippie commune, uh, which was supposed to be a coven, and they did black magic and stuff like that. But he, he was a disgusting guy who also had um, a taste for um, young women, uh, teenagers, actually. He was a pedophile, I guess. Um, I have to be careful with my language because I, I don't have proof for that, but I do know that there were allegations against him, put it that way. Um, and uh, one day a girl knocked on my door. I was an Anglican priest at the time. A girl knocked on my door saying that uh, she had some troubles uh, and she was scared and she was dressed all in black. And I said, have you been hanging around in the witches? And she said, well, yes. Anyway, I, I won't go to the details because it's not... Um, something I like to talk about. But the entity uh, that she was complaining was haunting her or hanging around with her soon. She said, it's inside me, it's inside me. Um, and th- there was, so, so there was a real manifestation of uh, the classic signs of, of demonic possession or obsession. Um, happily, an older priest that I knew was experienced in these matters, and he came around and, and um, uh, you know, cast, cast out that spirit. And it was uh, re- always registered in my mind as, as saying, you know, Satan is real, demons are real, mm. and, um, they, they're, and they're dangerous. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely get that. And like um, some of my work as a, a documentary photographer took me to, to areas of India um, where people were treated for possession um, through the Islamic faith. And, and certainly, kind of in the broader is, is Islamic faith, the idea of jinn and, and demons are, are seen as being very real. And the thing that really struck me, um, observing that and kind of having growing up in, in, in the Catholic faith, is the view of the adversary is absolutely different. The, the adversary is a very, very real thing within um, what I found in the areas I was um, within Islam, whereas within Christianity, it doesn't seem to be at all. And that's what really struck me about kind of your book is it's, it's trying to kind of shine a light on this. Yeah. And, and the, the reason that um, Christianity has reverted, ha- has been um, watered down to this moralistic therapeutic deism, which, which is, um, which is my big critique in the book is that that's not actually religion. 
Okay. Religion for all of human history has been, whether it's paganism or Hinduism or Buddhism, whatever kind of, or Judaism, whatever kind of religion, religion is by its definition and human experience, uh, an interaction, an existential interaction between human beings and the supernatural. Whatever that means, whatever you choose for it to mean, whatever you think it means, that's what religion is, okay? Uh, and uh, Christianity, at its roots, has been a religion. But once you remove the supernatural and you turn Satan into a metaphor uh, and you turn miracles into lovely little teaching stories, par parables that teach us th truth, truths about sharing with one another. Uh, and once you uh, so quietly forget the miracle of our Lord Jesus Christ's resurrection from the dead, and you say instead things like, well, the resurrection means that um, in some sort of way, Jesus' disciples still remembered his beautiful teachings even after his tragic death. You know, that's just a load of baloney. And, and the thing is, that is not, they've reduced it so it's not even a religion anymore because it doesn't really have a talk about an encounter with the, with the divine or with the, mm -hmm. the supernatural. It's just been reduced to moralistic therapeutic deism. So um, my book, I'm trying to say, look, there is a real thing called evil. Um, this is what it looks like in our world. Nobody can deny it. Um, I don't talk much about the devil and demons, although I certainly believe in the reality, objective reality of them. Um, but then in the second half of the book, I go through from a Catholic point of view to ad address it and say, this is how um, it's defeated. This is how Jesus Christ defeated it from the inside out. Um, and this is how those who are practicing the Catholic faith should be engaged in defeating it day by day too. And that's what it's all about. Um, mm -hmm. So if we end up making the world a better place and making us be ourselves better people, that's a nice little cherry on top, but it's not the main deal. Well, to that point, what are the tools with which one should protect oneself from evil? Well, I haven't done anything new. I, I've basically just said within the practice of the Catholic faith, the traditional Catholic faith, the things that Catholics and other Christians too, for that matter, do um, should be seen from a new perspective. So let's take um, reading the Bible or going to church and saying your prayers. Let's take working at the soup kitchen or feeding the homeless or whatever Christians do. Um, instead of just saying, we're doing these good things because this is what Christians do, or we're doing this because Father said we need to, or we're doing this because the pastor said we do, or we're doing this because the Pope said we have to. Um, instead, we need to see all of these things as being unique ways of living out and incarnating in the world uh, the victory of Jesus Christ on the cross. Jesus said to himself, unless you take up my cross and follow me, you take up your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. And St. Paul says, um, I die daily. I am crucified with Christ. Uh, we preach Christ crucified. He hammers this home all the time. Um, so that being a Christian, therefore, is living, uh, living the cross of Christ in the world, living the victory of Christ in the world through all these things that we do. So um, to make, take the most extreme example, if I end up being a martyr for the, for the faith and somebody comes, cuts my head off, well, that is another example of the cross of Jesus Christ alive in the world, defeating evil, the sacrifice that I've made. But maybe my sacrifice is much more mundane. Maybe it's a sacrifice of holding my, myself out of bed on, in, early in the morning and making a cup of tea for my family. And I really don't want to. <laughs> okay. It's a silly example. But I, it's the point I'm making is all of our day-by-day -day things are meant to be this life of sacrifice. I see. 
absolutely um and one other element i wanted to kind of ask you just kind of looking at some of the 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 research on your work online was the idea of of the the cosmic conflict and kind of what happens in in heaven and how that's reflected on earth could i get your thoughts on that yeah um in the book of revelation it says there was war in heaven saint michael and his angels um were engaged in this great battle with the with the dark angels now this is this used to be the the stuff of of the christian faith from the book of genesis through to the book of revelation and the lives of the saints the lives of the church for the last two thousand years it was about conflict it was about a battle with um evil saint paul puts it in these terms uh, he says we do not we do not wrestle with flesh and blood but against the principalities and the powers of of the darkness in high places when he talks about principalities and powers, those were that was Gnostic terminology for the different levels of angels and demons in, in, in the cosmos. Mm. And the ancient world was very attuned to this, and most of church history was very to, attuned to it as well, that what Christians are doing when they pray, when they do good works, when they worship, when they um, celebrate mass, and so forth, is actually has actually got a cosmic and supernatural dimension. In other words, we are actually engaging in or accomplishing something in the invisible realm. Now, this is real religion, okay? So, for instance, when I celebrate Mass, and someone says, uh, would you pray for the repose of the soul of my Aunt Sally, who died last week? Now, I'm not just mentioning Aunt Sally at Mass so that her niece, Janet, will feel better. I actually believe that uh, I am praying for the repose of Sally's soul, that Sally's probably in purgatory, and as I pray for her, she's going to make more of a progress towards heaven. That's accomplishing something in the invisible realm. Mm-hmm. I believe that. Yeah. And I believe it because I've had certain experiences in which I've actually seen the departed. And I've known, and I've said to them, is this helping you? And they've said, yes, yes, it's helping, it's helping. Um, and other saints, oh, I'm not a saint, saints have said this, other mm-hmm. priests have said this, um, that, that, that we're accomplishing something in the, in the invisible realm, um, and that this is vital religion. It's not just, mm-hmm. um, you know, being nice well, people. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I get it. Table matters. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I was really interested in, in a bit you mentioned there about kind of your own experience of the invisible world would you be comfortable discussing that say say that i'm i'm sorry say that again um you you mentioned there uh about some of your your own experiences with the departed and 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 the the invisible world would you be uncomfortable would you be comfortable telling us a bit more about that well it's very personal but I, i i can say in general terms that um quite often when i'm celebrating a funeral mass um i will I don't see them physically. I, I see them in my mind's eye, uh, the, the departed being there, standing by the coffin mm-hmm. um, and being very happy at what's going on mm-hmm. uh, and very happy with, when we say the prayers of passing and say, you know, cross over into the other side and we commend their soul to God. I, I've, I've seen in my mind's eye them actually go out of the church as the coffin is carried out and, mm-hmm. and then leave. Uh, so there, there's some, and, I had another experience of a friend of mine who was a priest uh, who actually had the gift of seeing uh, dead people um, as if they were real, as if they were as solid as you and me. Um, And again, this is another story, which is quite uh, a lot of detail, but um, 
he was celebrating a, a funeral mass, uh, and he, this was in England, and this priest did not know the guy who had died, and the guy who died was in America. He hadn't seen a picture of him. He didn't know him at all, but he was there with a friend of mine um, who, was, who had lost this, this guy in a plane crash. And um, after the mass, my friend said, uh, yeah, I, I felt that John was here with us. And the priest said, yeah, I saw him. Wow. He said, what do you mean? And he gave a perfect physical description of him having not known the guy or seen a picture of him and said, he came in, he knelt next to you when you received communion. He was very troubled and he was very upset because he died suddenly and he was unprepared. But at the mass, he was there with you and he left and he went up into the East end of the church where the morning light was coming in and he was at peace. So th this is, these are real things that have convinced me that um, what we say is happening at the Catholic mass really is happening it's it's it's, it's mm. not just a fairy tale thank you for sharing you know and, and yeah i think there's definitely something to to what you're describing the, you know the interesting thing about this um dara is your name dara is that how dara, i say it? yeah yeah you got it right yeah the interesting thing about this dara is that um these experiences uh, are not un, are not unusual if you were to take um a, a, a random group of 50 people and say okay, uh, we're going to talk about supernatural experiences. How many of you in your family have got a story of somebody who's seen the dead or has been in communion, in communion with the dead through their religion uh, or has seen what they believe to be a spirit or a ghost or uh, some sort of paranormal? Probably out of 50 people, I, I'll bet you anything, this is anecdotal, but I bet you anything, 40 or 45 of them would say, well, yeah, actually, you know, that happened to us. You know, this is what yeah. happened it might be a miracle. It might be um, something which is unexplained. Now you have to make allowance for a certain number of crazies um, who, who, you know, the, the kind of people who see a face of Mother Teresa in a, in a toasted bagel. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, but you know, even allowing for the for the crazies, there there are so many um, human experiences right across the whole span of of humanity um, to validate these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right, and and but I. I it's interesting that kind of you know the, there's a cons within consensus reality there's a denial of that and i think it harks back to what you're saying kind of in in your book about how the christian faith there are the catholic faith they, they're all diluted and they've all kind of taken the the, the the mystery out you know and they've become kind of like these kind of nice stories about how to be nice people but the actual practice and the kind of meat and bone is um I guess is, is, is diluted and is a little bit more tepid than, than it used to be certainly in its view of, of the reality of the invisible world. You know, the, right. And, and I think that there's been a terrible ramifications of this uh, lack of belief in the, in the cosmic interaction between mm -hmm. faith and, and, and what's going on. Uh, there's been also what's gone along with this is a lack of real, real belief in heaven and hell, mm -hmm. a real belief in the afterlife. Um, I look at some of the troubles in our Catholic Church with, um, you know, pedophile priests and corruption and immorality, and I'm thinking, whoa, um, would people do this if they really thought there was a price to pay um, mm -hmm. in the next world? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, we're getting off topic maybe a little bit. Well, it's an interesting conversation. Um, I'm conscious of time with 15, uh, 15 to 30 minutes allotted. Um, 
where where is the best place for people to find you if they want to find out more about your work about um about your viewpoints yeah well i'd love them to visit my blog dwightlongenecker.com it's real easy to find mm-hmm. i've been blogging there for about Oh, over 10 years. Uh, there's lots of archived articles. I do a lot of podcasts. Um, I also write for lots of different journals over uh, on, online. So a, a Google search will turn me up. Um, the book is available in, in the UK at Amazon. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's called Immortal, Immortal Combat, The Heart of Darkness, Confronting the Heart of Darkness. Also, uh, I'm involved in an online uh, Catholic men's conference, July 7th to 9th. Um, as it's online, uh, everybody in England can come too. Uh, and you can sign up. That's, uh, that's also available on my blog, DwightLongenecker.com. And there's lots of uh, Catholic speakers and so forth if people are interested in pursuing that. The other thing is I'm just today beginning to kick off a new YouTube channel, which I'm going to call uh, Myths, uh, Monsters, and the Mysteries, trying to weave through some of the very stuff you're interested in as well. Um, to say, look, there's a real interface here between uh, myth, uh, fantasy literature, stories, uh, the paranormal, um, cryptozoology, mm. uh, and and and, and, and wow. Catholic faith. Yeah, that sounds that sounds incredible. Um, certainly, one of the things that that I've found since um, I started running. Uh, or sort of kind of creating this podcast and kind of again from my, my own earlier research documentary work that kind of led to the creation of this this project um, was the juxtaposition between what we view as as spiritual other that that the adversary or the kind of dangerous entities be they whatever you kind of call them whether they're demons jinn fairies aliens ultra terrestrials or cryptids they all have extraordinarily common traits the correlations between what you would think is totally separate phenomenon uh, is is quite remarkable. And it is. one of the best one of the best books on this is um, by an Englishman called Patrick Harper. I don't know whether you've seen it. It's called um, Demonic Realities. Um, I have heard of him. I, I I have heard of him. He's he's been on Coast to Coast. I think. Um, yeah, we'll look that up. Yeah. And, and, and you're right. This is what, what is the, has always been the stuff of religion. Mm. Uh, but religion in the Western world has, again, gone into this kind of abstract intellectualism um, and poo-pooed all those things. But the, those things are real. I believe that, for instance, the, the monsters of uh, Greek, myth, Greek mythology, for instance, were um, originally uh, in their most primitive form were probably encounters which shaman or mm. um uh witch doctors and whatever mm. uh, had with uh, the demonic world mm. if you want to find out what the more primitive form of the greek religions um would be then you need to study some of the uh, anthropological findings of some of the native americans um societies some of the mesoamerican societies where you see um this animism and paganism in a, in a more primitive state. The, the Greek and Roman um, versions can, have come to us through a, a very highly decorated and embroidered mythology, which has been come down over the centuries. But I believe it was rooted in um, some of the really 
gutsy mm. primitive stuff that you mm. find in, in Native American culture and other cultures where they say, you know, the shaman or in Aboriginal cultures in Australia, mm. where they say the shaman went on a spirit journey and he met these monsters and so forth. Yeah. And it's really interesting stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Very interesting. And it's pretty scary, but it's pretty yeah. scary. Too. Thank you so much for your time. I, I really appreciate you, you coming on the show. Your new YouTube channel sounds fascinating. Um, so I'll, I'll have to, um, share that with my listeners when when it's up and running um so do drop me a a, a mail when you're when you're live good and, and I'd, and like you, I'd like to talk to you again yeah absolutely that was it was really really interesting okay. thank you very much for your time Okay, that's it for this week. Thank you very much, Father Longenecker. You can find the links to the Father's Digital Spaces below and where you can purchase his book. Um, the evil is real and not a metaphor sense is appealing to me. Um, I, I just think it's part of nature. Just as there's predatory activity within nature, there's predatory activity within the spirit world. And, you know, we're not top of the food chain. Um that, you know, as I said earlier, the denial of evil really reminds me of the love and light people in, in New Age circles, that there's no such thing as, as, as evil. There is the shadow. There is the shadow within all of us. You know, and it seems pointless to me not to look into the darkness. And But I, I don't, you know, I don't mean not to fear it. You know, fear is a useful thing. It keeps you alive. But to be aware of it, acknowledge it, because it's in the dark where we can find the missing wounded parts of ourselves and retrieve them. Anyway, that's all from me. Stay safe and talk soon. <laughs>